friends, and welcome to the Friendship News Hour, presented to you by Bummer Dude Media. Today is August the 19th. I am Frank, and he is Alex. Hey, Alex. Hi, Frank. How are you? Hey, long time no talk, man. How you been? I know. I, I had to take a break from you, dude. It was just too much. It was getting to be ridiculous, so I sorry. I am intense. I bring uh, zero positivity <laughs> to your life. Um, it's a lot of disappointment, but necessary. So I'm glad it, to fill that void. And uh, I understand a break is needed from time to time. <laughs> no, we went to uh, New York with the family, man. It was it was great. Good time. A um, little scary, I guess. I mean, not scary to me uh, with COVID and, and whatnot. But, um, you know, it was interesting to see like a place like Times Square packed to the brim with people and think mm. about being in, in our current situation. So it, it was just, it was a little weird, but it was, it was awesome. We, we walked, I think in, I walked, I was there for like four and a half days and I walked 51 miles. So that was sweet. Nice. Um, ate all the pizzas and bagels and Italian food I could fit into my body. Very and cool. And saw Central Park, Lady Liberty, Ellis Island, Wall Street, all, all the things. Yeah, so you made your, you made your tourist rounds. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was my sister's first time there and she had never never seen the apple that is so big so we figured we'd, we'd kind of show her all the big things and then you know next time we go back we can i wanted to dig more into the boroughs i wish we had more time because we didn't really get to check out very much of brooklyn at all we just kind of crossed the bridge yeah got dinner um didn't she didn't get to see coney island the bronx uh, staten yeah. island none of that so i wish it wasn't so far away from where i'm at yeah um yeah. it's like the complete opposite end of the country <laughs> Which sucks. I like New York. I I, uh, I hadn't been since 2007. And uh, yeah, it's cool to be in New York, man. It's cool to be in New York. I don't know about now, like you said, with with the old D ramping up. And I, I don't know, just f from what you hear about, about what's coming out of New York, it's, it seems to be sort of degenerating. Yeah. You know what's funny, though? Safety-wise, man, it, it was great. Like, I, I feel... And like by the numbers, I looked it up, and Chicago is it has twice the crime statistics as New York, which is insane to me. Yeah, but it's a much denser area in in New York, like landmass wise. For sure. Yeah, yeah, and people wise. For but I would think with more people would bring more crime, I guess. But it doesn't. Yeah. Um. And 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 like you see people. Maybe it's because for the most part, like that shit is always popping. So like there's always kind of people around lit streets. I, I guess I, I I don't I don't know I, I can't really place it I, I think it kind of sure. all spins off of when they when they started stop and frisk and some of the other policies that they instituted um, I know their crime shot way down uh, as racist and, and kind of crazy as that rule was but I, I know it, it has shot down and stayed down for quite a while now so whatever that means I was listening to somebody defend New York on a podcast as I'm listening to this podcast I'm flipping through Instagram and I see somebody at an ATM getting attacked with a machete by a, another gentleman who looked look to be homeless in, in Manhattan. I don't know. I see a lot of that stuff in, in New York and, and it, it may just be confirmation bias that you're seeing all these things and, you know, you don't really see them anywhere else. And, I'm, you know, crime is sky high in a lot of places, but, um, but I don't know. I, I'd like to go back. You definitely should. It, it definitely, definitely should. Just by the yeah. numbers. I pulled up that stat I was kind of referencing. Um, violent crime in the national average is 22.7. And this is like a range from zero to a hundred, kind of the study that they did from the FBI data, uh, violent crime. The national average is 22.7 in New York. It's 28.2. So slightly higher. And in Chicago, it's 49.9. Mm. Property crime, national average is 35.4. In New York, it is only 24.9. So they're doing great. And maybe because you probably can't access like half of people's properties because it's a bunch of apartments. Um, in Chicago, it is 46.3. Good so Lord. We're crushing it, man. We're killing it. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> I did a spot of traveling myself. I was in uh, Colorado Springs for a conference mm. uh, for work. I fell in love with Colorado Springs. Yeah, I've never been. It was awesome. It was beautiful, man. Describe it, it was, to me. It was gorgeous. Well, it's funny. So we were, we were flying in, and it was really hazy. It's like super hazy, and I was like, mm. it's kind of weird because there's no ocean. So why would it be overcast? And there was no clouds. And then we landed, and everybody was talking about the wildfires in California. And it just so happened that the way the wind was blowing that week, the the wildfires are happening in California and and Oregon 
were blowing were the smoke of that was blowing over and it reached Colorado so much so that Denver the week I was there Denver had the worst air quality in the United States yeah and I didn't wow. even know there were wildfires going on in California hmm. <laughs> until I landed in Colorado so it was really hazy they were saying like usually you could see like 30 miles out and um and you could barely see the mountains right in front of you. They're like 10 miles away. You could barely see them. Um, it actually kind of gave them a cool little hue, like kind of like smoky mountain looking feel. Yeah. Um, but apparently that isn't, uh, that isn't the norm. Um, but yeah, man, Colorado Springs, uh, is super neat. Um, very nice people, uh, real quiet, sleepy town. We got there, um, on Sunday and like everything was closed downtown and, um, and, uh, it was neat. The people were super nice. Um, everyone says hi and, and things like that. You know, you walk down the street and Hey, how you doing? Never seen you before. Um, and it is surrounded by like seven military bases. So it's all military. The air force Academy is there. The space force is there. NORAD is there. Are you familiar with NORAD? No, I haven't. It's uh, uh, colloquially known as the Doomsday Bunker. So on 9-11, when the country was under attack and we didn't know what was going on, at first they were shuttling President Bush to this area. So it's an area inside of the Cheyenne Mountains, inside of the mountain. And you could like run the country from there during like a nuclear attack or whatever. You could survive it. And so that's like the Doomsday Bunker. That's where the president goes in the, in the case of a... Of a tragic um attack or an emergency or whatever and you see it like the cheyenne mountains beautiful mountain range and just tiny tiny peak i guess in comparison tiny and like 25 antennas going up off of it and that's norad uh, yeah because underneath there is is where is where everything happens so a lot of cool stuff and just oh man you, i don't know you just felt better breathing that air the air even with the smoke like you felt better i don't know man it was just really neat I, I liked it a lot. I, to me, it was what you kind of like hope Denver would be, you know? Yeah. Because yeah, Denver is just a city and it's relatively far away from the mountains, you know? It's like in yeah. a valley. Good 30, 40 minutes for sure. Yeah. But what, once you get up there, man, and we were actually kind of just talking about it today because we were talking about maybe doing a, a diaper party in that area, but... Like when I say, let, when people say go to Denver, it's like, yeah, like you can go to the city or whatever. But like, really, I hope they mean like, let's go to Golden or let's go like into the fucking mountains right. and see right. see the nature. Because the city of Denver is just like, it's a city. It's just whatever. I, I don't know. It's cool. But once you get up in those mountains, it's it's clean air. It's just a different vibe, man. It's like you're you're one with nature all around you. I love yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. Um, so Colorado Springs was great. And then right after we went to Vegas and mm. Vegas was Vegas. No, no new reports there. Anything crazy? Anything shut down or anything right Dude, now? Or? Saturday night, everyone that we went with, which was mm. the four of us, we were all asleep by 9 p.m. <laughs> it was fantastic. Got day drunk was, or just... It was great, yeah. Weekend, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Started with mimosas and then the pool, and then we had dinner um, at like 5.30 for some reason. And then um, we all like made ourselves up to our rooms where we inevitably passed out. Nice. Damn. And did not reappear. It was great. I Casinos, clubs, everything's open or running normal or. Yeah. You got to wear a mask, but then, you know, people were not really giving a fuck about that. Yeah. Do they have buffets going right now? Yeah, I think so. Okay. That's my I favorite part about Vegas. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I agree with you. Eat, just eating in general. is yeah. Fantastic oh, there. Um, but yeah, Vegas was Vegas. It was fine. You win any money? No, I think at the end of the day, I ended up losing like 200 bucks, like 150 mm. maybe. Um, mm. But there was some winning and some losing. Sure. I don't know, man. Sure. Vegas, uh, it's, once you go enough, it kind of loses its appeal a little bit. So I'd like a, I'll go back. I'm sure of it. Conferences and whatnot happen there all the time. So I'm sure I'll be back there. But I think they're cool thing, cooler things to see outside oh, of Vegas. Yeah. yeah. Fun to go shoot guns there, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Great time for that. <laughs> yeah, you could do whatever you want. It was funny. We were walking. Uh, we actually walked from Fremont Street to the Strip. It was like an hour and 20 minutes. Damn. Yeah. We just had so much time to kill. Mm. And I was like, fuck it. Let's walk. And uh, yeah, you go, you go through actual Las Vegas. 
and you see all the seedy shit. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's where that's where it gets his name from. That's where Sin City happens. It happens off the strip. Hmm. But uh, did you yeah, uh, hit the satellite tacos El Gordo? No, we did eat some like random at some random taco spot in, in Fremont. We like left this casino. We were hungry and we just seen this little taco shop and we walked in, had some fire mm. quesadilla tacos, man. Delicious. Ooh. So good. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was great. Um, what else did we eat that was really good? Oh, we had some, we had some mussels and shrimp that were in this chorizo broth, bro. Okay. Dude. Unreal. They could jar that sauce and sell it and make millions. Fucking unbelievable. Hmm. Yeah. It was really good. Um, yeah, that was our, um, week of travel explains our absence and, um, you got some going on too, right? You, aren't you leaving again this weekend? Don't you have a job? Yeah, man. <laughs> no, right? No, we're, we're not leaving until after work. This is a, a shorter kind of out of town. We're going up uh, just west of Madison, Wisconsin, go camping, um, which should be nice. I, I love camping. Like, I love traveling, love going places, but I love, like, the idea of not spending a bunch of money, mm-hmm. sleeping in a tent, and just, like, chilling out. Like, I, I love that relaxing vibe instead of the gotta go here here now we're going here now we're going to dinner here like it's just Mm -hmm. gets to be a lot it's it's fun but camping i would say is my favorite kind of vacation so we're gonna go try to squeeze a couple days out there um it's actually right it's blue mounds is the name of the uh state park we're gonna go to um and and then that actually is conveniently located right next to new glaris brewing which is a like it's a big deal around here because they're assholes about not letting their product uh, leave the state as far as sales go so you can only get that beer up in wisconsin um, exclusive I, status yeah i guess i mean and it's an all right beer they, their main beer is called spotted cow and it's pretty good it's like a nice light like kind of wheat ale but um the brewery itself it's like a big ass bavarian castle dam basically so i'm gonna go check that out and, and hang out and um then uh, yeah i'm on the road again next week to the good old glass city toledo ohio Cool. Nothing, nothing special. Yeah. No, no uh, nothing going on. Just going to hang out. Marco's Pizza. Hey, you know what's funny about Marco's Pizza? I went to, actually went to Vegas a few weeks back, maybe three or four weeks back on some, actually, uh, official business for family. A, a uncle that passed away and he was in Vegas. And I had to go help my mom with some stuff. And I got there late because I left after work on Friday. And they had Marco's Pizza waiting. I was like, yeah. oh, shit. That's Marco's funny. Pizza? Yeah. I haven't had that since Toledo, and they—I'm pretty sure they're from Toledo. They are. They're headquartered yeah. in Toledo. Um, they're everywhere. Last time I went to Denver two years ago, they were—they were out there. Oh no kidding. They're down in Florida. Yeah, they're—they're they're growing at a huge clip. Because honestly, I've never thought their pizza was that good, but it's like simple as fuck. Like it's just basic. It's not good. Good, like whatever pizza. You know what I mean? So it's—it's it's yeah. easy probably to franchise. I would Papa guess. John's. It, exactly. It's, yeah. Yeah. I would take Marco's over Papa John's though. Yeah, I, probably. I it's not bad. Yeah. It's Zaw. Um, yeah, man. So we we missed a lot. And, and you know, it's cool. Mm-hmm. To, it's kind of cool to take that break off of off of doing this because you kind of you kind of see the 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 farce that is the 24 seven news cycle and the things that are stories every day more or less aren't stories in in the macro sense. Right. So it's like you could be away from news for a week and a half and you will not have missed anything because the things that need to get through the the signal breaks through the noise after a while and you and then you kind of are able to grasp what is the things that you need to know um and you know when we were gone the the one thing that stands out there is is our exit from Afghanistan and I want to spend a lot of time on that today because there's a big conversation as to who's to blame um what happened why is it so bad why are there videos of thousands of people trying to get into an airplane taking off from Kabul airport why has the government that we tried to create the past 20 years fallen in a week right why what the hell happened and we're going to find our answers for that 
in what are called the Afghan papers. The Afghan papers were released in December of 2019. And I don't know, they got coverage and it was a big story when it came out, but I I think the majority of the American public more or less got that message lost because we knew it, 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 it didn't come to a surprise to us as a surprise to us, the incompetency, because we just, I think we inherently understood that we were incompetent. If we were more competent, then there would be better news coming out of Afghanistan. We probably wouldn't have been there for so long. So let's take a dive into these Afghan papers and we'll start with the history of, of war in Afghanistan. And, uh, it comes from the first part of that. This comes from president Bush and he was given a speech in April of 20 of 2002. And he said that the history of military conflict in Afghanistan has been one of initial success followed by long years of floundering and ultimate failure. We are not going to repeat that mistake um, and how wrong he was. And it's, it's funny because it's true. Uh, Afghanistan has been more or less in conflict since like, like the 10th century. Um, and in recent history, uh, the British have been, um, involved in Afghanistan, um, like three times. And this was back in like the 1800s and they failed miserably. I mean, miserably, just terribly failed in the, um, seventies, up into the 80s, the Soviets were in Afghanistan for 10 years and left with nothing. And then 12 years after the Soviets left, we tried our hand at Afghanistan and we failed miserably. And I mean miserably to the point where it it, it, it can't be overstated how terribly we handled this 20-year war. And it's almost unfair to call it a war after probably like 2012, because it wasn't a war. We weren't at war. We were rebuilding a country or at least attempting to rebuild a country. So for the past eight to nine years, we weren't involved in a war, but we were calling it a war. And I think that was a tragic mistake on our part because we could have called it an occupation and it wouldn't have been a war. It would have been an occupation. We would have been staving off the people that we help hope to stave off. And the ultimate goal was to get in there and get Al Qaeda out of Afghanistan. And we accomplished that. And we accomplished that without even killing bin Laden, which you might even look at as a success, right? We still needed to find bin Laden, but we need, we needed to get Al Qaeda out of Afghanistan. And then for some reason, um, we started shooting at the Taliban and the Taliban started shooting back at us or the other way around. However, it happened. And then they became the enemy and nobody knew why. Um, so these Afghan papers are a collection of interviews given by high ranked military officials who thought when they were giving these interviews that they were uh, off the record. But the military wanted to know definitively what was the situation on the ground what was happening in afghanistan and so they brought these people in and they said hey give us your honest opinion do not hold back this is off the record your name will not be released well the washington post found out about these got in, in, involved in a three-year legal battle with the the department of defense to get these released and under the freedom of information act they did and they were able to get all of this uh information um, that the military was holding on to and keeping from the public, right? So the first question, who is to blame? Well, everybody, every single politician, policymaker from the time that we got involved in this war till right now is to blame. Um, I'm quoting here from, uh, an introduction of a report released in 2018. We found the stabilization strategy and the programs used to achieve it were not properly tailored to the Afghan context. And in successes, and successes in stabilizing Afghanistan districts rarely lasted longer than the physical presence of coalition troops and civilians. Does that sound familiar? (coughs) Yeah. 
Yeah, just happened, right? So this was 2018, and we've talked about this. Afghanistan and the people who who are uh, live in Afghanistan, they are not us. They don't subscribe to anything that we believe in, for better or worse, and it's usually for worse. They are not us. So that was our first mistake. Our first mistake was assuming that we could do anything, right? But in order to do something, we had to have a plan and we had none. This is three-star army general Douglas Lute. Quote, we were devoid of a fundamental understanding of, of Afghanistan. We didn't know what we were doing. What are we trying to do here? We didn't have the foggiest notion of what we were undertaking. That was in 2015, right? He was the Afghan war czar during the Bush and Obama administrations. When did we hear that? Who was telling us this? Mm -hmm. Who was saying that this was a, a total failure at all times, right? Um, this is an unnamed advisor uh, to Army Special Forces uh, in a government interview. Quote, they, th they thought I was going to come in and come to them with a map and show them where the good guys and the bad guys live. It took several conversations for them to understand that I did not have that information in my hands. At first, they just kept asking, but who are the bad guys? Where are they? We didn't even know who the fuck we were fighting. We had no clue who the good guys were and who the bad guys were. The reason we didn't have a clue is because they're indistinguishable. There are countless accords of rampant pedophilia and just the most gross, terrible acts of uh, sexual abuse by the guys we were training. We were training them. We found out that they were doing these terrible things. I forget there's a word for it and, and it's escaping my mind right now, but it's, it's their word for like boy man love, right? And our soldiers would find out about this and they would tell them, hey, cut the shit. You cannot do this when you're on our base and training it with us. And then when we would find out about it again, we would kick their ass and our soldiers would get in trouble for it. Hmm. That's how fucking backwards it was. Yeah. This is Donald Rumsfeld who was leading the entire thing when we first got into Afghanistan under, under president Bush. This is in 2003 in, in what was called a snowflake. And these are memos that were given from Donald Rumsfeld himself to his uh, military advisors on the ground in Afghanistan. 2003. This is, right after we got there quote i have no visibility into who the bad guys are we are woefully deficient in human intelligence okay so from the jump we had no clue what we were doing right but we had a vague goal right we had some sort of idea we wanted to get in there we wanted to kick out the the uh, we wanted to kick out al-qaeda and we wanted to build up afghanistan so that they could support themselves so that when we left it didn't turn back into the thing that it was when we got there so what happened in afghanistan we'll take it from the people who were on the ground there was one uh unidentified u.s soldier that said their special forces teams hated the afghan police whom they trained and work with they called them awful the bottom of the barrel in the country that is already the bottom of the barrel how come we didn't hear about this how come we didn't know that the people that we were trying to train were as shitty or shittier than the people that we were actually there to fight that yeah. our efforts were futile from the jump. One military officer estimated that a third of the police recruits were drug addicts or Taliban themselves. They were thieves. They called them stealing fools who looted so much fuel from the U.S. bases that they perpetually smelled of gasoline. Quote, thinking that we could build the military that fast and that well was insane. Uh, this was a, uh, another army, unnamed army uh, senior official. Our policy was to create a strong central government, which was idiotic because Afghanistan does not have a history of a strong central government. The time frame for creating a strong central government is 100 years, which we didn't have. Obviously, obviously, you don't have 100 years to do that. Um, so the, now comes the corruption, right? Because we were spending money on this war. Not only were we spending money, we were spending money at a rate that was, it's almost unfathomable. It makes your head spin so much so that like you don't even think about how, how big of an amount of money that we were spending in Afghanistan. There was an executive for the U.S. Agency for uh, International Development or U.S. USAID. 
He guessed that 90% of what they spent was overkill. Quote, we lost objectivity. We were given money, told to spend it, and we did without reason. One identified contractor told the government interviewers that he was expected to dole out $3 million a day for projects in a single Afghan district, roughly the size of a U.S. county. He once asked a visiting congressman whether the lawmaker could responsibly spend that kind of money back home. He said, quote, hell no. His response, well, sir, that is what you just obligated us to spend, and I'm doing it for communities that live in mud huts with no windows. During the peak of fighting between 2009 and 2012, U.S. lawmakers and military commanders believed that the more they spent on schools, bridges, canals, and other civil works projects, the faster security would improve. Aid workers told government and interviewers it was a colossal misjudgment, akin to pumping kerosene on a dying campfire just to keep the flame alive. So you get an idea of just how fucked this was from the beginning. And it, it almost paints the picture of we were doing this for what? So that we had a reason? Were we reacting to 9-11 and we had to make people believe that we were doing something about it? Were Was everybody corrupt and just doing it for government contracts? I mean, there's no good reason for us to be there nobody was willing to say that we were winning, we were losing an unwinnable war and that we had no idea what the hell we were doing in the first place. I think the worst part about this is that we were continually and systematically lied to so that public perception of what was going on in Afghanistan was framed in a way that we would be okay, or at least we would just go along with it, with, with the understanding that the government and the military were competent enough to know what they were doing. Um, several of the people that were interviewed um, and that made up these Afghan papers described explicit and sustained efforts by the U.S. government to deliberately mislead the public. They said it was common at military headquarters in Kabul and at the White House to distort statistics to make it appear that the United States was winning the war when it was not the case. Uh, this is quoting from Bob Crowley, and uh, he was a colonel in the army, um, and he was an advisor to uh, military commanders between 2013 and 2014. Quote, every data point was altered to present the best picture possible. Surveys, for instance, were totally unreliable, but reinforced that everything that we were doing was right, and we became a self-licking ice cream cone. Um, this is President Obama in 2009. The days of provo- providing a blank check are over. It must be clear that Afghans will have to take responsibility for their security and that America has no interest in fighting an endless war in Afghanistan. Bullshit. Bush. Obama. And Trump, everybody, every one of them promised that there's not going to be any nation building in Afghanistan and they're not going to fall into that trap. But collectively, they spent $133 billion to build Afghanistan, more than it spent in Justice for Inflation to revive the entire of Western Europe with the Marshall Plan after World War II. A person identified as a senior National Security uh, Council official said that there was a constant pressure from the Obama White House and the Pentagon to produce figures to show uh, the troop surge of 2009 and 2011 was working, despite hard evidence to the contrary. This is uh, that same NSC official. Quote, it was impossible to create good metrics. We, were tr- we tried using the troop numbers trained, violence levels, control of territory, and none of it paid an accurate picture. The metrics were always manipulated for the duration of the war. So that leads us to my final question. What faith should we ever put in our government again? This is Jeffrey Eggers, retired Navy SEAL. What do we get for one trillion for this $1 trillion effort? It was close to $2 trillion. Was it worth $1 trillion? He added, quote, after the killing of Osama bin Laden, I said Osama was probably laughing in his watery grave, considering how much we've spent on on Afghanistan. Hilarious. Um, here's a toll of the of the war total, um, and this this is dated 2019, so it may be even worse than that. Afghan security forces, the folks that we were training, 64,000 dead. 
Afghan civilians, 43,000 dead. Taliban fighters and other insurgents, 42,000 dead. U.S. contractors as non-military personnel, 3,814 dead. U.S. military personnel, 2,300 dead. NATO uh, and ally soldiers, 1,145 dead. 67 journalists dead, 424 humanitarian workers dead. And for what? Yeah. Good question. And there's people screaming at the rooftops for months, months and months and months saying, hey, um, we know that we've made a deal with the Taliban. We understand that we're leaving and there's a date for when we're leaving. We should probably identify these thousands of American citizens, soldiers, and even even as important, the Afghan citizens who have helped us with our uh, efforts in Afghanistan as translators, information gatherers, what have you, and get them out. Because as soon as we leave, um, the Taliban will take over, and it's only a matter of time. And if these people are found, they will be killed or worse, beheaded, um, what, what have you. And nobody was doing anything. And these people were identified. We knew who they were and we knew how to get them out. And there were countless plans to get these people out of the country and nobody did anything. So if you want to blame Biden, he deserves as much blame as anybody because we knew that we needed to have a contingency plan in place to get these people out. And we did nothing. If you want to blame Trump, fine. He continued to spend. He even ramped up troops. Now you might say that he ramped up troops so that we could continue our our efforts there and maybe have a smoother exit uh, out of Afghanistan. Fine. You want to blame Obama? Absolutely. He passed the buck for two terms. And probably the worst of it all would be President Bush because he knew immediately, immediately he knew that we could not win and do what we wanted to do in this area. And he didn't say anything. In fact, he pressed down on the gas pedal and it became unraveled in three days. Yeah. So next time you have somebody who wants to question things like a mask mandate or a vaccine mandate, and they want to use government officials as their as their reasoning, then I would say give that person some grace because this is one of countless uh, examples that the people who are in charge of us are not looking out for our best interests at all. And this government does not represent our people and our nation the way that it should ever. Does it make you buy in at all to any kind of conspiracy theory surrounding 9-11? any of this um no no i i i don't i i I don't if it ever were to come out that these conspiracy theories had some you know bearings to them it wouldn't surprise me but i do not believe that there's any you know, I, I, when I was in Colorado Springs, I was able to listen to a speech by Carl Rove, who was the chief of staff for President Bush uh, in, in his first term and maybe even a second term. I'm not sure. But he was asked about 9-11 and he recounted his day in 9-11 and he was by the side of the president the entire day. And uh, it was absolutely wonderful to listen to because he gave a minute by minute account of exactly what was going down. Um, and just the way I heard him speak and, and what he said about it. I mean, it would have to be like really deep, like really, really, really deep and coordinated, uh, and executed flawlessly. And, uh, nah, I, I, I don't, uh, I don't buy into that at all. I totally buy into it. And the fact (laughs) with the the total disorganization that you've just described to me and that I've been reading about, um, it doesn't really seem like there was a very good reason we were there post killing that man. So 
I, 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 to me, I, it makes me believe it even more. If you look into it, you can look into things like Building 7, which is a total mind fuck of how did, how did a full building collapse demolition style due to building fires. Um, there, there's a lot of stuff out there. Even the, the commissioned report uh, doesn't give anywhere close to the amount of detail it should. Um, there, there's just a lot of interesting things with nine, that surround 9-11 that, I, to me, when I hear all this stuff, it really just like brings it back to focus. Also, I was just in New York last week, so I, I'm there at Ground Zero. Um, but I can't help but think that like th- this and the reason why George Bush kept his foot on the gas when knowing this was a futile thing is because I don't think we were really there for the things he said we were there for. I think he was trying to go back, win a war, bring back some kind of honor to his daddy's name when you know Desert Storm was a complete fuck. And I think we were over there for, you know, definitely probably to take out Osama bin Laden and some of these people that were awful people that we knew were were global terrorist threats uh, that were out that that we knew we could go out and take and we could blame for something like this. If by any chance, if it happened to be that we orchestrated this entire attack, we could go over there and get their billions and trillions of dollars worth of oil and other natural resources uh, I think there's a lot of things that would point to like it being a strong possibility and hearing from top military officials that we didn't know what the fuck we were doing definitely leads me to believe that even more now because the greatest country in the world doesn't have a game plan for how we're going to do what we're going to do or why we're there. That's weird. Hashtag jet fuel does not melt steel beams. No, also true. I, 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 I'm always willing to hear any conspiracy theory. I, I think they're fascinating, but I think here's what's more likely. We were attacked. There was pressure from the top to do something. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the goal became, let's find Osama bin Laden and kill him and eradicate Al Qaeda. And then it became, well, if we go in there and kill Osama bin Laden, um, we're not really going to do anything. We're just going to leave and it's going to create something new. So what we need to do is we need to build a, a nation. We need to build up a, a place that is able to hold their own in a way, right? And... We didn't know how to do that because the people who are in Afghanistan are backwards. And I'm not trying to be rude. I'm just trying to call it how it is. Most of the people that we were trying to train barely had a second grade education. It's not a place that is used to anything like democracy. First of all, it's not even a country. I mean, Afghanistan is a country, and I guess it became a country in like the 1500s or 1600s, something like that. But it's it's just a bunch of tribes. Nobody gives a fuck about Afghanistan. Afghanistan literally means land of Afghans. Stan means land, land of Afghans. That's what it is. Just a bunch of tribes. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to say, hey, we all need to unite for the greater good of all of us and uh, build this government and we need to become Western and, and do all the things that we know make a nation great. And we had no idea how to do that. We had no contingency we had we were complacent and incompetent and that to me just sounds way more like the truth that we had people who were incompetent in leadership and did not want to admit it so that they fabricated what was going on in Afghanistan to make it look like we were doing something like the reports were positive and we were making quote unquote progress that's one of the things this Afghan papers did uh, uh, repeated all the time is the one word that all these generals used when they were talking in public progress we're making good progress you know it was just mm-hmm. this, this continual lie that we're doing well I I, I I like these conspiracy theories I love to hear them but at the end of the day it seems to be gross incompetence if you ever look into um, um, uh, Vietnam the Vietnam War and the reason we got involved in Vietnam it will make your stomach turn because it's so inconsequential. Yeah. Yeah. And the same way that we were misled about this war, we were misled about Vietnam and that came out in the Pentagon papers. This is kind of, these Afghan papers are kind of akin to these Pentagon papers. Pentagon papers were leaked in the seventies and it showed just how much we were lied to and how terribly we were treated um, as a people because of this war. So again, 
I think, I think the main story here is that we cannot trust our government and we should never trust our government. We should never trust officials. If there's any concise wording coming from the government about one thing, we should probably do the exact opposite. And I'm not even being hyperbolic here. I I swear to you, I'm not. Our interest is not their interest. Their interest is power and money. And Mm -hmm. it's shown here. And, uh, you know, the outrage of what happened in Afghanistan this past week, I fear is concentrated when it should be broad and general and we should condemn everybody who was complicit in this from the top down, including your local congressman or senator or whoever it was that went along without shouting at the rooftops with the information that was known to the government at the time saying, we, one, we're mis- are misleading the shit out of you. Two, we're failing in Afghanistan. And three, we probably should have gotten out a long time ago and should have done it in a way that we knew was safe for our citizens who, by the way, over 10,000 still remain in Afghanistan. You know what we had to do a week ago? We had to send out a memo, a memo to them that said, make your way to the Kabul airport. Oh, and we're not going to be able to support you or make sure that you're safe. We cannot guarantee your safety. Oh, and your responses to the embassy in Afghanistan uh, will not be met. So the way that this war went for 20 years, it, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's almost poetic justice that our exit is the way that it is. As fucked up and, and disorganized as everything that's been going on there. And the worst of it all, the worst of it all, and I have, I have family, a family member uh, of mine who, who I love very dearly that served in the Middle East. These people were out there serving a mission and doing so dutifully and probably doing so efficiently because that's what soldiers are. They're efficient and they're dutiful and they, they maneuver with, uh, honor and decorum and they did their job and they get to watch all of this unfold like this and right. their job and their lives lost and their trauma and everything they had to go through was all for naught. And it's, it's just so heartbreaking. Yeah, and what taxpayer money funded a, a lot of that. All of it, and and yeah. all of that taxpayer money now. Guess where it's at? In the hands of the Taliban. In the motherfucking hands of the Taliban. Joe Biden less than a week ago said that the Afghans forces are one of the most well equipped and well armed forces in the world. Well, guess who's now? The Taliban. Congratulations. Your money. When that when you look at your paycheck when you get paid tomorrow and you see that little tax dollar there, yeah, that's where it went. So what do you what do you think the next steps are? Because I've heard that the Taliban has reached out to us. And this could be total bullshit, but that they're gonna they're dedicated to peace and then they're not going to be you know murdering anyone, especially U.S. citizens. Um, which I would believe that because I think if they start murdering U.S. citizens, they know that we're about to come in and probably like fuck them up big time, oh, yeah. like nuke yeah, or something like that. I, I, for sure, uh, to an extent. I mean, you know, it, it is in their best interest, and and that's the other thing, right? Like the reason that we're taking off from, from that airport in Afghanistan is because they're allowing it. Mm-hmm. it. We we have no control over there anymore. I mean, we have soldiers in that airport, but it's because we're allowed to be there. So yeah, I think what's going to happen is they're going to wait it out. The date that was given was uh, the 31st of this month. Yeah. They said so they're working to extend it, but for an hour. Yeah. yeah. So, th- I mean, that'll be the test, right? And then after that, all we can go off of is historical uh, events that the Taliban is responsible for and how they intend to govern this nation, quote unquote nation going forward. And, and we don't know, but we know that they are fundamentalist uh, Islamic um, extremists. If you want to use that word, they, they, they are, they are very much into Sharia law they, um, you know, they require everything that they did previously. So there's nothing that tells me that they're going to act any differently, you know? Yeah. I'd be sorry. I'm just wondering like at what point if they are going to, if they're going to run the country now, there will become a point when like, like the UN would approach them to join the UN or, you know, like there's going to be some kind of tipping point where like, I feel like they're going to piss off a lot of people and then we're just all going to be back in there. 
and taking that bitch over again. Maybe not just the U.S. doing it this time, but like a global alliance saying, fuck you, Taliban. We're here to take this country back. But then Maybe. what? Do you divvy the land up to the people around it? Because Afghanistan can't do shit for itself, obviously. It fell in three days. You know, like, so at that point, like, okay, here you go, <laughs> Iran or like whoever, like, here's some land. Like, what, you're yeah. just going to divvy it up? Like, I don't know what happens now. Yeah, I mean, history tells us that there will be conflict in that area because it is a centuries-old tale. And whoever it is that isn't native to that area is most likely going to get their ass handed to them. Yeah. So people have a vested interest to not be involved there. Now, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to really hinge on what does their presence mean for the rest of the world? If they begin to start up their ways uh, of international terrorism, a la, the, a la Al-Qaeda or ISIS, if videos of women and men and women being raped and men being beheaded and set on fire, if, if this kind of stuff starts to trickle out again, like, it already kind of started has to um then yeah i mean it's like there's going to be calls from useless international organizations like the un um you know nato is more or less in control of it now from an international standpoint um there are rumblings that china wants to get involved uh russia's already kind of like yeah we've been there done that um you know there is if you are extra extra interested Um, there's a book out and I read this book about a year ago, um, from the recommendation of a random gentleman that I met at a apartment pool in Laguna Niguel, California. Don't ask. (laughs) (laughs) We got to talking about this war. This is about a year ago. And, um, he told me that you need to read the book, um, the great game by Peter Hopkirk. And it gives you the historic breakdown of Afghanistan, of this land. And it's actually incredibly rich. Um, But it paints the picture of Afghanistan being like, um, what are those creatures in Star Wars on Tatooine? You know, like... They have the thing, you know what I'm talking about? It's basically saying like, that's what it was. And if you rolled through this barren desert hellscape, you were subject to the tribes that were there and it became a very important trading route. And so that is how the conflict started. It was trade routes, but the tribes were like, man, we're going to get ours. If you're going to roll through our land, fuck you. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it became just this giant breeding ground of conflict started with the Russians. Then the British empire started to get in there and then it was the Russians again. Then it was infighting. There's been like four civil wars in Afghanistan over the past hundred years. I mean, dude, it's been fucked forever. So anybody that wants to come in and try good luck, but I'll tell you this, we need, I mean, we need to adopt the most isolationist attitude that we possibly can, given what has happened the past 20 years. What is the literacy rate in Chicago? What is the literacy rate in San Diego? Do you know the, the school in San Diego that boasts that they're the best school district in San Diego has a literacy rate under 90%? Oh, wow. Isn't that ridiculous? Yeah. 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 Until every kid here can read, we need to get the fuck out of wherever we're at defend the borders that we have here because we have plenty of miles of borders here and get to making ourselves great. Rebuild our nation. Pump a $3 million a day into Southside Chicago. What the mm. fuck are we doing in Kabul? You know what I mean? Couldn't agree more. Yeah. That's, it's a fuck. And for what? Like we said, it fell in three days. It was all for fucking nothing. So, nothing. and we lost 3,000 plus American lives. I think I saw it was like, it's either somewhere between 40 and 60,000 injuries you know what I mean so it's like even if they're not deaths I mean, I'm sure there's thousands hun- like bunch of people in America that are, are hobbled and crippled for life because of this right for nothing yeah the former president of Afghanistan the guy who fled to now I think he's in Saudi Arabia United Arab Emirates uh, Berkeley professor 
Mm. I don't oh, know a lot of people knew that. Yeah, yeah Western, yeah. Western-educated uh, Berkeley professor, corrupt as all. I'll get out. Left, left Afghanistan with like millions of dollars of cash and left this whole country by, behind. But he said mm. that the forces that were left in Afghanistan really didn't crumble. Some did, but he said a lot of people fought bravely and died. Um, so for whatever that's worth, there were people that thought that what was going on in Afghanistan, what was built the past 20 years, uh, was worth fighting for. Uh, and there, there was progress made. I mean, I guess compared to the amount of investment, it doesn't much, but there's, uh, like the first ever woman mayor of a town in uh, Afghanistan. Women had, you know, their, their rights and it was coming a little bit more Westernized and they could go to school before they couldn't, when Taliban had rule before they couldn't even go to school, learn how to read. It was like some handmade shit. Mm-hmm. You can educate your women and, yeah. um, so, but so, okay. So like that mayor, is she going to get executed now? Like she, if stayed, she hasn't she fled? stayed. She, she, no, mm-hmm. she stayed mm-hmm. and she's like, yeah, I'm just waiting for them to kill me. That's fucking crazy. It's crazy, but that's a badass woman. No, yeah. But yeah, but shit. She's I saw that yeah, the president she, just fled, got the fuck out of there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I guess I if know. I were him and if I had to, <laughs> you know, like, uh, beheaded, uh, leave with yeah. the yeah, you know, protect yeah. my family. I'm sure you're going to do what you got to do. Hey, he was a mm-hmm. puppet anyway. I mean, they, in these African papers, they were talking about, you know, how we wanted the Afghans to run their own thing. Run your own elections. Do your own thing, you know? The soldiers were reporting back in the first election that they held, I think it was like 06 or 07. And they're like, uh, yeah, we're literally watching them stuff the ballots right there. They're doing it. We're watching them. Wow. It's just the whole thing was corrupt. We had had no idea. We had no idea. We were clueless. We were clueless and we lied to everyone about it. Fuck Mm -hmm. them all. You know, and I, I hate to bring it back to this, but it's like, how can you trust them with anything? How can you trust him with anything? How can you trust him with anybody is saying about COVID or masks or vaccinations or any of that? Why would I ever believe that our best interest is at heart with any decision? You know what they were doing also? I, I, I don't mean to bring it to this, but it just it just goes to show like our crazy uh, priorities. They were waving a pride flag in the U.S. Embassy at Kabul on pride month this year. What a slap in the face to those people. Cause that's You're, very against the religion. Is that why it's against what yeah. all that they believe in. If you can even get them to go to like, if you can't even, if you're barely getting women in school, what the fuck are you trying to shove down gender equality down their throat and, 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 and gay pride. Like they, I just, I don't know, man. It just like, it just boggles the mind yeah. the way that our priorities are in these places and our extreme lack of, of awareness and just pure American arrogance. It's super interesting to hear that it takes at least a hundred years to build a full government. Like that's so true. I, even Isn't it longer, true? Man. Like Let's even look here. at America. Oh, yeah. We yeah. had to go through a civil war ourselves. Civil you know? war, uh, all kinds of wars, man. All yeah. kinds of shit. Yeah. That's so, yeah, that's so true, man. You can't just go in and, yeah, you have democracy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, pop up democracy. Here you go. Especially to people that fucking hate our entire culture and, and way of life. You know, yeah. like uh, the Western civilization over there, it's like they could piss on it. They could give a fuck about it. Right, so. exactly. They don't, yeah, exactly. Even if you're not like, <laughs> even if you're not like hardcore, like Sharia law Islamist. Like you're still not warming up to Western ideas, you know? Yeah. Like, oh, like yeah. I said, you're barely getting women in school. Like, like, yeah, that's wrong, but you got to start somewhere. Christ almighty. Yeah. And it's got to be, if it would be successful over a long period of time and, and, a, and a ramp up, you know, like, I mean, we're still, we have, you know, gay marriage and all this other stuff here, but like, we're, we still deal with tons of people that, that gay bash or Asian hate and all this right. other, like, it's right. You can't just like snap your finger and solve that. How long problems. did it take us? Yeah. Right. For, for, doing. for gay marriage to be a, a thing of the, I mean, 2008. Yeah. We were voting on gay marriage in California. I mean, come on 2008. That was yesterday. How long mm-hmm. have we been advocating for it? Right. A very, very long time. You know, mm-hmm. it's like these things take time. It's a, you, it, it, you know, it, and it's, a, it's the same, um, 
it, it's the same critique that I have of um, like like leftist young people uh, that are in college or just out of college today. There's this idealistic um, push to change social structures in that way to just snap your fingers and we have to do this and we have, it has to be now and we need, we need justice for this now or, or what have you. And it's like, hold on a second. Like, first of all, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about because these things work more often than they don't. And it's incredibly complex to change any sort of social structure or hierarchy or anything like that. And so what you, if you're just going to try and break it down or in the case of Afghanistan, just build it up immediately, uh, uh, on the ruins of what was before and then just try and implement it like that at first it's going to look okay and then over time it's going to decay to the point where it's going to be even unrecognizable because these things aren't that simple they're extraordinarily complex like i said 100 years it takes and the same thing here It, it takes so much time for these things to happen because you you're we're going with it right now. We're going through it in, in, in my work. Uh, the objective of the United States right now, when it comes to infrastructure is to change the entire fueling infrastructure of a country from carbon based fuels to renewable energy. And that shit's going to take decades. Right. Or maybe a century, you know, like it, it's going to take an extraordinarily uh, long amount of time. That's something really important to remember because what that is in, 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 in essence is just humility. It's just a recognition of the fact that one, you don't have the answers and two, you don't really know how it's going to work. You can apply your best principles and you can be patient and that's all you can do. I did see something funny with Biden. Not that funny, but I saw that he was talking to the leader of China, uh, Xi Jinping and, uh, did he know he was talking to the leader of China, Xi Jinping? What do you mean? Oh <laughs> yeah. As cognizant as he may be, I'll leave that up to debate. Um, but he basically said that they were going back and forth, and Jinping was was basically saying that he doesn't think democracy can survive in in the modern age and going forward, and he thinks that like his Chinese autocracy basically will outlast us um, for hundreds of years to come because there's a concise way to rule instead of bickering about how to do it. And although I think like our democracy is the, is, is the best, like I, I see what he's saying in a, in a way, but it also then makes me think like, well, but now you have Biden like censoring social media and like doing, like mm-hmm. they're doing mm-hmm. more and more shit that's moving towards that. It's not an autocracy in that Joe Biden will run the world someday, but like it's almost like a moving towards the idea of, like there's one correct way to do all of these things and to think about all these different things. It feels like we're kind of moving towards that, but Joe Biden's like, I'm betting on democracy. I'm betting that. It's like, I don't know if what China is saying is is true, but at the same time, like it's going to be hard for us to like keep moving forward. If we just keep arguing about everything. Oh yeah. You know? Oh yeah, for sure. And, and shoot, man, maybe we should do this next episode. Um, it's, it's what you're talking about is the, is the subversion of the American culture as we knew it, because mm-hmm. what was our strength and what our enemies knew as our strength was our patriotism and our belief in God. And this isn't my opinion. This is what they have said. Yeah. Okay. That was our strength because that was one thing that we could fight for regardless of anything that's gone, bro. Mm-hmm. That's not no longer here. It yeah. is. It ceased to exist in America. So what do we have? A bunch of people upset, uh, without anything really to fight for in this country. Um, and all we can do is look at the shit that's wrong with us and bicker, like you said, bicker about it and fight about it. While communist China doesn't have that problem necessarily, it's because of authoritarianism. And to me, that will never win because that never wins. That never wins. All of history, you could see as concise of a messaging as possible. You know, it's funny. I was looking at, um, I was looking at uh, a video. This was years ago of North Korea Mm. and, uh, or like watching these videos and everybody was about North Korea and North Korea. They were fucking psyched for North Korea. Their military was like in lockstep and everybody was about it. And I knew why they were because it was, they were compelled to by the authoritarian Marxist state that is North Korea. But all I kept thinking was like, fuck, 
I want that here. Yeah. Without yeah. the coercion, I that, want that. Yeah. Right. I want that. I want us to feel that way about our country and our countrymen. How do you get that without somebody cracking the whip? And I think that's why a lot of people have a terrible taste in their mouth when um, there's censorship in social media and there's mandates for wearing masks. And it's like, hold on. Fuck you. Right. Like, right. no, that's not how this works. And there's still people out there, hopefully enough of us that are willing to fight and to take a stance against anything that isn't freedom first. Because at, at the end of the day, I think that's all we have as Americans. I think it's the last thing that we could be patriotic about is that we have the ability to be free and talk about things. And although it's denigrated into bickering and infighting and, and civil unrest, it is still what makes us precious and uh i don't know man i'll bet on democracy too but but yeah. as long as democracy is still democracy as long as we're still able to be you know it was that russell branqua i love so much and you could apply it to everything you don't need enough more people to believe in god you just need the people who do to act like it then the, the the constitution works the first second third fifth amendment they work as long as you have people who are willing to stand up for them and apply them and obviously our government is filled with people who do not have that interest. And we have spent an hour illustrating that. Yes, we have. Get them the fuck out of there. That's what you can do. Yeah. You see that video of that guy in San Diego from Ocean Beach who went to the city council meeting and it (laughs) just started yelling. (laughs) I mean, it's like, you know, I wouldn't have approached it that way, but he made some really good points. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, ah, fuck you. You think where you sit is higher than us? Nah, man. History will come and reckon with you. I guarantee it. Yeah. Like you just said, you've seen every autonomous, any kind of system like that fall eventually through revolution one way or the other yeah yeah Yeah, you've seen it you've seen it fall one way or the other through revolution so yeah because you can't control you cannot control the facets of society like i don't know china's doing a pretty solid job at it but you can't you (laughs) you can't like it's almost impossible to control that without any sort of revolt right because then you don't become a person your identity doesn't exist your identity is the communist party of china Mm -hmm. and the communist party of china always wins because it has to just like the war in afghanistan was always in good progress because it had to be that's the most un-american thing possible yeah i'm trying to think like can you have democracy as you explained it with like people that believe in god and country and still have individuals at the same time i don't know sure why not yeah i mean if you think about it you you're America was founded on the idea of the self, of of the person, of the individual. You are in control of what it is that you're able to do and your success and your failure. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That was, that, I mean, that is what we, we were founded on. The more you denigrate from that in either direction you're, you're going to, you're going to fall into a pit. I mean, the, the, the principles that were laid down in 1776 are correct they work they're not wrong and i think our short brief history up until probably the last 20 years or so has proven i mean we've been the beacon of freedom and free speech and to a certain extent we still are we just got to get back to it we have to start moving that other direction it's like no we will not stand for any of this bullshit that you're trying to bring down history. We, we know too much history. We know too much about our own history that we know we're not going to trust you when you tell us this, this, and this, a- any sort of f- overarching federal mandate or, or, or even, even a concise public messaging that is broadcast through the, the mainstream media outlets. Even that, I, you, I can't trust it. I know too much about people who take on one idea and then it spreads to everybody. So now that idea has to be right because now you're in the quote unquote right side of history. You fail to, you fail to even question what it is that you believe in in the first place. Yeah. And, and that's why I'm saying I, I, this should, we should never trust these people again, ever. Anybody who takes the side of the government and then tries to spread that message wholesale. No, fuck you. I don't believe in anything that you're saying and you haven't given me any reason to. There's a lot of trust that needs to be built back up in that way. 
And I don't see any of that happening. You know why? Because there's no humility. Nobody is, nobody is willing to say that they're wrong. Nobody's willing to admit defeat. Nobody's willing to say, hey, you know what? This is what I believe in, but uh, you know, I think we got this one wrong, guys, and I think we need to pivot. No, nobody's saying that. Not even now. You know what the message is from the, from the Biden administration? We stick by our guns. We had to get out of Afghanistan. It's the fault of the Afghans and, you know, they shouldn't have fell so easily and we gave them all that we had, you know, and nobody's taking responsibility for that shit. Nah, fuck you guys. A hundred percent fuck you guys. I don't believe in anything you say. You can't sell me anything and I don't trust a word you say. That's why, and that's why Donald Trump got elected. And if he would have run right now, that motherfucker would, would win by a landslide. Yeah. He because would. he, he called it how it is and he didn't give a fuck. He'd fire anybody in the government. He wasn't part of the government. Sucks that he was such a shitty person, but you, 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 get, you get why people have these ideas and why somebody like that would be so attractive in, in, the, long, in the long run, because you need somebody to, to say no and to fight back and to, you know, maybe a little bit more humility on his part, but we need someone with a lot of his ideas and that's not him. And some charisma. Well, yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Fucking exactly. Cause to, I mean, to that point he wasn't. He, he never admitted defeat. There was, ne- there was never yeah. an ounce of humbleness to Donald Trump. He wasn't humble in, in whatever the hu- opposite of humble is arrogant. Yeah. Mm. I think that's it. That was him, which sucks. But he, he has some interesting and true ideas. I would totally agree with that. So if you're out there, man, if there's a presidential <laughs> man or woman, yeah, you got your strong beliefs, but you're just not like an asshole. Anybody who should be president probably doesn't want to be president. Yeah, exactly. Right. Oh, man. Well, anybody that wants coffee should fuck with our sponsor, Gun Barrel Coffee. Drinking a good, smooth cup of coffee is a treat all by itself. But when it helps American heroes like veterans and first responders, it is that much better. Gun Barrel Coffee is proud to donate $1 from every item purchased to veterans and first responder charities all across our great country. From their medium blend... Uh, the Moab, their Double Dark, the Battleship Roast, their CBD-infused blend, the Medic. All their coffees are smooth, delicious, awesome. I just had a cup this morning. Without that acid or bitterness you find in so many coffees. They offer 14 different blends and roasts, which you can get in whole bean, ground, or single-serve pods. And right now, as a friend of our ship, you can use the promo code FNH10 to save 10% at checkout when you buy their products on Gun Barrel Coffee. Once again, that is promo code FNH10. Gun Barrel Coffee, damn good coffee, damn good cause. Here, here. Uh, that is our show today. If you would like to uh, comment on anything that we have said, agree, or uh, uh, more importantly, disagree, we would love to hear from you. Uh, reach out to us on Twitter at FriendshipNH. Uh, go ahead and send us a message on Instagram at FriendshipNewsHour. Do the same on TikTok at FriendshipNewsHour. And as always, write us a concise email at bummerdude.media at gmail.com. That is bummerdude.media at gmail.com and we'll see you next time. Bye.